Estonia's first pumped storage hydroelectric plant is being built at the site of an old mine, a unique and important circular economy initiative for the whole region. The 225 megawatt plant will be constructed using limestone rubble and closed tunnels created during the mining of oil shale. The project is an extension of energy company Enefit's sustainability strategy and speaks to Estonia's increasing emphasis on the energy transition. To tell us more about this exciting project and to give us an understanding of Estonia's energy sector, its plan for energy independence and shift to renewables, I'm joined by Margus Fols, a member of the management board of Enefit. I am Pamela Larg, and this is the Energy Transitions Podcast. Margus, thank you so much for joining us today. It's an absolute pleasure to have you in the studio. When I recently wrote about this project, I was intrigued by the construction of a pumped storage facility at a mine site. It's quite a unique way to transform old fossil fuel assets, and I really wanted to learn more about the project. Can you tell us more about this, and why was it an option for Enefit? Yeah, hello, everyone, and thank you for uh, this introduction. So uh, we at Enefit are actually quite focused on transforming our current oil shale fossil fuels based industry to chemicals and to new energy. And uh, one part of that is using our current assets in new ways. And one of the good examples that we are doing that is this uh, pumped hydro facility that is foreseen to be developed in our existing mine. And uh, mind you, we are actually developing it uh, while the mine is still working. So one might even say uh, with uh, joking halfway that uh, we have already uh, mined our lower reservoir and we have yet built a higher reservoir or upper reservoir. Indeed, it's quite something to know that the mine is still operating while you build this Mm. project. Can Mm. you talk more about the specifics of it? What technology are you going to use and Mm. how is it going to impact the functioning of the mine in the future? If you can Mm -hmm. explain a little bit more, that would be great. Mm -hmm. So actually, I would start uh, even what is the impact to our country and our region. So currently, Estonia and Latvia and Lithuania are part of the Russian electricity system. So this fact is not very widely known, but actually still three Baltic countries are synchronized with Russian electricity system. So we shared a plot circulation, so to speak, with Russia. But there are already plans, and these are already some years old, that in coming years, latest 2026, the Baltic countries will be synchronized uh, with UCTE, European Electricity System. And this also means that there will be heightened requirement uh, to stabilize our own electricity system. Already today, we prefer not to rely on uh, Russian electricity assets to stabilize our grid and uh, we are making efforts to be able to stabilize the electricity system ourselves in the future. And part of this effort is actually this pump hydro facility. Now, what comes to uh, technology, 
I think what is specific to developing this pump hydro facility in existing mine is that the mine itself needs still to be operational. Secondly, there are mine tailings which are on top of the area where this uh, mine is developed, meaning that when we develop this pump hydro, the ground needs to hold, so to speak, because there will be, we are using the mine tailings to build up the pedestal for uh, upper reservoir. So we basically were creating a new hill on top of which uh, the higher reservoir is situated. And this hill is built using the leftovers from enrichment process of the mine. So I think this is quite unique. Second part, we are uh, also foreseeing that we are combining different renewables technologies. So uh, we are using the sides of the hill that we are building for uh, uh, upper reservoir to install photovoltaics. So we are using this opportunity to have this perfect angle uh, to catch the best sun. And thirdly, within the upper reservoir, uh, we will use floating photovoltaics. So to use this asset in its maximum. Yeah. But when we go to lower reservoir, then of course, we have already created the space where this water is stored under the mine. So this is already there. This has been already for <laughs> some years, I would say. There, uh, the effort will be, of course, to create a sealed system. So part of the mine is uh, used as a reservoir and part of the mine will be used still as a mine. But already today, we are pumping water out of the mine because otherwise the mine would be filled with water. So we already have the pumps as well to pump the water up, so to speak. Thank you for explaining that. It's absolutely fascinating and it really is unique. Am I correct that this is the first type of project of this kind in Estonia? Uh, yes, absolutely. So in Estonia and in politics as well, this is uh, first of a kind. In Europe and globally, of course, there have been uh, some examples of these types of facilities. Of course, the material that we are currently mining is oil shale. Uh, oil shale is not very widely known, although if uh, one takes the energy content that there is in oil shale, then there are about three times more energy globally in oil shales around the world than there is, for example, in conventional oil. So as an energy resource, oil shale is a vast resource, but it is not widely used because uh, conventionally, of course, just pumping oil, uh, maybe uh, using conventional wells is, of course, much uh, cheaper. But Enafit, the company that I work for, has already uh, mined and used oil shale for both electricity generation as well as liquids production over 80 years. So we have quite a good experience. Our plan is actually to move from uh, using oil shale to burn it and create electricity or pyrolyze it and then uh, produce liquid fuels for ships, for example to chemicals industry. So the same uh, material can be used to uh, produce chemicals for which there is an increasing need in the world. So we would be carbon neutral. So we would not emit 
electricity while producing the chemicals and afterwards when the chemicals are used by end user they will not be burnt so also both scope one and scope three emissions of this process would be either zero or very near to zero Marcus, it's interesting that you talk about the circular economy concept. It's obviously very important and it's something that we highlight. Would you say that this project represents a transformation in the oil shale sector? And it's obviously a strategic priority for Enefit as well. Yes. So this is one of the three uh, strategic priorities of our company. Of course, we are investing a lot in uh, renewables. That transformation, I would say, is already well on its way. So we used to be a company who mainly derived revenues from producing electricity from uh, this oil shale, fossil fuel. And now uh, we are the biggest uh, renewables producer in Baltics already today. So this transformation we have already uh, undertaken last four or five years. Secondly, we position ourselves also as a company who helps our clients to go through this transformation and moving from using uh, uh, solutions which are based on fossils or not energy efficient to using green solutions and smart solutions and providing those solutions ourselves. And the third is this uh, transformation from oil shale to energy producer to oil shale to chemical producer, also using recycling. One of the examples of the recycling uh, we mentioned, this is the pump hydro uh, storage station, but we have other significant initiatives as well. I would say that the second one I would highlight is using alternative resources to uh, create now energy products, but uh, in the future chemicals, and namely, for example, waste tires and waste plastics. So the facilities that we have today, which are pyrolyzing uh, kilns, are quite well adapted to treat oil shale to liquid energy products. But we already know and have tried and succeeded to use waste tires to create energy products and in the future chemicals. And just to give uh, understanding what is the potential of our assets and only existing assets, our assets can treat about 10% of all the tires that are uh, left over in Europe during one year. So this is the physical capability. So our aim, of course, is to start from our own region, from Baltics and Nordics, and gradually to move uh, further to Europe to basically uh, offer a uh, sensible alternative to just either landfilling the tires or ticing the tires to create some sort of terrain fillers to higher value products. So this is our aim. And we have for that purpose obtained a permit for Europe because right now waste tires are considered as hazardous products, meaning that you need a lot of special equipment and cleaning to treat them. We have obtained from Europe a permit to treat those waste tires and for the resulting product to be considered a non-hazardous product. And we start with that in Q1 next year. 
So we have already secured a uh, waste tire supply from our partners, and we will be treating both Estonian and Swedish uh, waste tires starting next year. So I'm very excited about this, and I see a lot of potential. So traditionally, these production facilities were considered as problem makers, as uh, the ones who are emitting more and more CO2. But our concept is to turn these facilities, which have extraordinary physical capabilities, from problem makers to problem solvers. So we are able to physically treat uh, both waste tires and waste plastics. We need to, of course, to get the permitting done, so it is permitted as well. And then we are basically helping to find a better use for these leftover materials. That is very exciting indeed, Margus. And I feel like this project is really putting Estonia on Europe's circular economy map. And I think what's really interesting is we don't often cover news from Estonia. You know, there's a big gap in terms of our understanding Well, I talk for myself now, but the understanding of Estonia's energy market. Can you talk us through Estonia's energy transition and give us some insight into the market there? You spoke earlier of disconnecting from Russia's energy resources and relying more on Europe at large. How is that working and what is the status of energy security in Estonia? So Estonia is a part of the Nordic Baltic uh, region. We have quite strong connections today as a region with Nordics. So there is about one uh, third of the peak demand that uh, can be either sold or bought to Nordics, both uh, Finland and Sweden. There is a connection also with Poland. And this connection will be used to synchronize our power system with UCT system. Now, uh, up until now, of course, uh, more of the energy of our countries has went to power production. So having more megawatt hours that we produce ourselves. And here, of course, Estonia is the best situation of the three Baltic countries. We have most indigenous electricity generation and uh, we have electricity generation that is based on our own indigenous resource, oil shale. The other two Baltic countries, Latvia and Lithuania, are more reliant on electricity imports. And the joint challenge for Baltic countries is to have more renewables. And in this regard, actually, we at NFIT are very happy to be part of this transition. And it is very good uh, that you asked about it, because our philosophy at NFIT has been that even without subsidies, it is possible to make this transition. And we have actually piloted a new business model in the last 24 months, where on one hand, as renewables developer, we have developed renewable assets, but we have secured the financing of those assets via concluding a long-term power purchase agreements or PPAs with our business clients and B2C clients as well. So basically, if you take a snapshot of politics, let's say three or four years ago, the typical power agreement length was 12 months. 
12 months. This was typical agreement length. Some made even 24 or 36 month agreements, but majority was 12 months or many used the opportunity to purchase power based on day ahead spot uh, index. Now, two years ago, when we started with this uh, green push for uh, much higher green electricity uh, share, we offered to our clients possibility to conclude 10 year PPAs. So we said to our clients, would you like to buy uh, electricity 10 year ahead with fixed price? We used this contract to secure the cash flows for the asset that is today not yet existing, but what we as NFIT are developing. And we are very happy to say that many of our clients chose this opportunity. And based on those agreements with our clients, we have been able to make final investment decisions to five or even six wind parks up until today. So this is quite a fast pace So basically every Every year or so, we have made an investment decision to build a new wind park. And this electricity, what comes from this wind park, we have already pre-sold with uh, long-term PPAs to our clients. So this is our strategy, how to make this green transition happen. Secondly, of course, our company's view is that this green transition on country or region or even European level can be undertaken much faster than is foreseen today. So if you take Europe's goals, I think the last data point is from this Repower EU plan where uh, renewables ambition was increased from 40 to 45% Europe-wide. We see that it economically and physically it could be done by 2030, not to 45%, but to 80 to 100% depends how you count. So we are very happy to recognize that the government of Estonia has also signed off to this goal. So Estonian government, I think it was about one to two months ago, announced that its goal is to generate as much green electricity in the country as much country consumes during a 12-month period. So this is actually official government goal. And one might think that, how is this possible? But if you look at the facts, then we see that renewables cost is much lower than a today's power prices in Europe and in Baltic and Nordic region. But secondly, even when we compare the new renewables cost with the power prices two or three years ago, before the start of the war or the gas crisis, which was, I would say, introduction to the war. These costs are very competitive. And many people have asked, you know, are renewables part of the problem or part of the solution? We see it very clearly, they are part of the solution. So there is no reason why not to expedite the rollout of renewables by 2030. There is no reason why anyone should wait until uh, 2050 to do that, because the reason is not uh, whether one believes in the climate change. The reason is also that one saves money. And secondly, and, and most importantly, it contributes to energy security.
So this is point number two. And point number three, of course, to make this renewables rollout in very high amount possible, we need to develop power markets in a such way that client devices or devices that are enabled via electrification, these devices could participate in the power markets. So today, in many European countries, the viewpoint is that only centralized units, such as big power plants or big reserve plants or big pump hydro plants, are the ones who are responsible ultimately for stabilizing our electricity system. If we go through with this renewables rollout completely, then it is possible to rely on those centralized solutions as well. But it will be extremely costly because it would mean that for every megawatt that we create wind power, we need to have one megawatt of reserve power or close to one. And without going into numbers, it is understandable. It will be super costly. But there is a better alternative. The better alternative is to use the assets that the clients purchase, electric cars, electric uh, heaters, and so on, and use their flexibility and their capabilities to stabilize the electric system and to consume the electricity when there is most renewables. And this is the second big change that we are also part of and offering already today solutions to our clients. Marcus, thank you for giving us that overview. It certainly is interesting to get your opinions on the current situation in Europe and to understand that renewables is really the solution and not part of the problem, as some might think. Marcus, as a last question, what is next for Enefit? Obviously, you are focusing on green transition and these various innovative circular economy projects that you are implementing. It's very exciting. What is next on the cards for Enefit? <laughs> I would say that uh, our clients' expectations are, of course, at highest point ever because of the high prices. And we have talked about two of the focus points of our company strategy, namely this chemicals transformation of oil shale industry as well as renewables development. I would say that the third focus is with our clients because we see that the electricity prices that people need to pay today, they are unbearable. And this is not just to say something, they are unbearable. People, our clients, we see that they daily face choices, whether to pay electricity bill or to buy food for their children. And this is not something we as a society can tolerate. There should not be such a choice whether you have light or you have a belly uh, full of food. This should not be the choice that we are facing. So what is our focus in the coming months and, and quarters? We take those smart solutions to our clients. I can give you one very easy example. So some weeks ago in our spot market, hourly price reached 4,000 euros per megawatt hour. And when analyzing this case, it became clear that if there would have been either three megawatt more of production available at lower price or three megawatt lower consumption, then the price would not have been 4,000 euros per megawatt hour, but about a thousand or even less. 
So what does it tell? It tells that if we are able to, with our clients, to understand what are the flexibilities that there are in their electricity consumption, and there is not need for much of that, even three megawatts help sometime, then uh, there will be a great help to the society as a whole, to the client, of course, but to the society as a whole. And for example, if we asked after that, that look, dear clients, would you be okay if the price is over, let's say, 800 euro per megawatt hour to decrease your consumption by, let's say, 10%? Do you have the assets for that? If the client says yes, we will say to them, okay, we will help you to automate this process that you do not need to monitor this process yourself, but let's automate this process together. So we as an energy company who buys electricity for you, we will make a bid in a such way that if the price is over 1000, let's say, then you will buy less electricity by pre-agreed amount. And we will automate this process. So when this happens, that actually price is high, then we will actually decrease your consumption with the same amount you have agreed to and with the actual asset that you agreed to. And this is what we are already doing today. And we are, with our clients, increasing the knowledge that there is such a possibility. Secondly, of course, we are uh, piloting new solutions. For example, smart charging. So our company has developed a smart charging app which helps select the lowest price hour where people can charge their electric cars based on day ahead hourly prices. And our client does not need to perform any operations themselves, meaning that our app, our AI will select the lowest price hour and then uh, the car will be charged at that time. And again, when assessing what is the potential of this solution, how that can actually help? Well, I can give you an example that the biggest asset in our electric system is 300 megawatts. How many cars does one need to have same-sized asset? For one megawatt, one needs about 20 electric cars. So for uh, 100 megawatts, it's 100 times more. And for 300 megawatts, 300 times more. So what needs to be the electric car penetration rate to have this effect, to have the biggest dispatchable asset in the electric system? It comes out that the penetration rate needs to be really low, really, really low. It is enough to have one or two percent penetration in each country's transportation system and use those electric cars smartly to have a result that uh, if you need, you can switch your uh, electric consumption to the moment where it is most beneficial to electric system and still get your electric car charged. So this is a low hanging fruit. And this is just an example what electrification can achieve. The same actually goes for heat pumps, for electric storages and so on and so forth. The moral of the story is that if we enable our clients to use the electric devices in a smart way, they can first purchase the power more cheaply or in more cheaper hours themselves. But second and even more important point is 
they will help to reduce the consumption in the hours where the prices are super high, meaning that everybody will benefit, not only themselves, but every consumer in the country will benefit because coming back to the example I gave earlier, if there would have been only three megawatts, which is really small amount, even in Estonia, less consumption, the price would have dropped significantly and no super high prices for everyone. So this is where we are focusing and we are focusing on getting those smart solutions to our clients. First, I think since we already have those solutions developed, the most important job is to raise awareness that there is such a solution. You can already access it today and you should not access it because it is somehow pro-green. Yes, it is pro-green, but it is already having a very positive effect on your electricity bill by decreasing it. So this is where we are putting our efforts. Thank you, Margus. A stark reminder that all of our efforts actually need to be focused on bringing down those electricity bills and that it really does have to be pro-consumer at the end of the day. So thank you for talking us through some of those initiatives that Enefit is involved in. And Margus, thank you very much for joining us because frankly, you've put Estonia on the map for us, for our listeners. You've reminded us that the region is doing some very exciting things and we will certainly be following Enefit and this project in particular moving forward. Any last comments you'd like to share with our listeners? Thank you very much for inviting to discuss those interesting topics and uh, I hope we are able to solve uh, the crisis there is today and we can do it together. We can do it together, yes. Certainly, I think collaboration will be key as we address these serious issues. Margus, thanks again. I will include uh, links to the project below so that our listeners can get some more information. And thank you for those who have tuned in. Until next time, goodbye. Thank you for listening to this Energy Transitions podcast, brought to you by Enlit and Friends. Visit enlit.world for more episodes. See you next time.